a butterfly flapping its wings means more than a butterfly flapping its wings. There is bigger truths within the butterfly. It is basic human nature. It's the basic working of the brain to forget that other people's experiences are different than yours. Record of audio session now. Starting now. The more run, the more runs feeling. This is wonderful radio here. Wonderful silence. Um, Why is this so loud? Clickety click, click, clack. Drum, sand, dental, ism. That's not a word. Show notes. Show notes. Show notes indeed. Show notes indeed. You don't need to see my lovely face. You just need to have that sweet, sweet mic in front. Uh, the real season. For yourself. I'm learning, Carl. I'm learning. Don't even get a reference knowledge. All right, fine, fine. I, I, yes, I know, I know. It's it's my needy self here. It's my needy self. I heard it. I heard it. I heard it. I, I see what you're doing there to me. You're like, just ignore. Don't encourage the behavior. Voldemort was competent. Um, I'm like, okay. So I went down to the the garage. I got a blowtorch out and I finished the eggs with a blowtorch. the slurp uh, all right yeah show notes the real season the real um he has discontinued it recently but adam savage used to have a podcast called still untitled with Adam savage oh yeah and they've stopped doing it but it was one of my favorite podcasts to listen to um and his mother would frequently 
listen to the podcast. And hmm. um, her biggest complaint was because they did both a YouTube version of it and they did it in person, a YouTube version of it and also um, the podcast version. But the mother, her, his mother would always say, you know, you always have the mic in front of your face and I can't see your face. <laughs> yeah. That so, is true. Um, I, let's go ahead and let's start the show. I Why is this so laggy? Is it laggy? No. No, my... I was resizing a window and the resizing window response was laggy, but it's because it's lame. It's, you don't all. have that. You don't have that sweet M one Mac. That is absolutely true. Which was, it was a dirty trick they played. Honestly, so they bought them. They bought them too soon. No, no. Apple discounted the crap out of this laptop and then come out with the M one. So, they we got lured mm. pretty hard. Yeah, it's I don't blame good them. enough. It's good enough for now. It's not like you're decoding 4K video, or streaming online, or you know. Oh. <laughs> wait, wait, Carl. Actually, <laughs> actually, all those things are true. Well, anyway, let's hold on. So Save it for the good. show. Let's go ahead and get this thing started. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode <laughs> three of season two. Now with microphones. The show called The Optimist and the Know-It-All, with your co-host, Jason Aguilar and Carl Walther. So, here we are. Uh, we're actually on some sort of recording schedule. That's, yeah, we could call it that. That's good. Yeah. Um, behind the scenes, the car episode that we recorded way back a month and a half ago is almost done getting edited. And if... The American Eagle will fly again, and it will chase after a reliant robin. And you'll just have to listen to the show to understand those references. Kidding. Gosh. I didn't know. I didn't know what those were. Well, well, you, you settled on a ute. <laughs> you settled on a ute. <laughs> Party in the front, business in the back. Uh, yeah. That is true. That was, um, that was not, a, not a great look. But the look we have. So... <laughs> <laughs> you you often what what is it you you go to the war with the army you you go to the podcast with the the you you have and not the you you want or something i don't know yeah I, one of those I, things while editing the episode i'm internally disappointed with you as always mm-hmm. i'm dropping mm-hmm. i'm dropping eagles references to the band eagles all the time and you don't even pick nothing. up on it no nothing no. this references no. being dropped <laughs> Listen to too many podcasts, man. I don't I, listen to I, music hardly at all. I know. So the last the last episode, I accuse you of being my gray. In this episode, I'm going to accuse you of being my Marco. Oh boy! So what do you think, of fish? You're, you're giving opsec. <laughs> you're giving our. <laughs> I've never listened to fish. Actually, I've never. I don't think, I don't think I've listened, listened to fish to, either. To I've fish. God, I'm so tempted to listen I to. Can't even I, tell you the genre. I am so tempted to start and play Destiny. I kind of want to play Destiny. Yeah, I think I'm gonna hold. I think I'm gonna hold out on a graphics card. Yeah, mm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe if I got a guild invite, then maybe because then it would remind it's me. It's like Eve Online. It's not Eve Online. How dare you? 
Oh my god. No, but another another game I don't want to get involved with because I would, you know, lose myself oh. to it. Oh, I see. Yes. Then yes, that <laughs> is true. All but right. Eve is definitely not like Destiny. Right. But that does that does leave to leave lead me to my first piece of follow-up that I never got to get to in the, the car episode. I never got to say what my car for you was. Oh really? I know. So I, we 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 were so well organized and had such a plan, and we all came to the show prepared. So at the beginning of the episode, I'm like, "Ah, Jason, here's the car I had picked out for you." And by the time we get to talking about the cars that we actually had owned in our life, I never got to it. So, because of coming to this episode so organized, let me go find the Google link, and we'll edit this all out. Yeah. Oh, I edited my first video in a long time. 25-minute video. Got it down to 17. Of you doing what? Uh, <laughs> balancing chemical equations. <laughs> Actually, balancing the equation for photosynthesis on a super basic level. But um, it was... Uh, it took a solid hour, probably. And I only got eight minutes out of like I only removed eight minutes of, of audio. Started at 25, ended at 17. But it's on YouTube. If you want the link, I'll send it to you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and drop it into go ahead and drop it into the show notes. That would be wonderful. All right. Here we go. Do you remember the Saturn Sky Pontiac Solstice? No. I do not. So you got the link. Yeah, there's there? a link in there. So it was GM's answer Ooh. to the Ooh. Miata. That's kind of nice. Can you explain what the heck Saturn is? Not the planet, but the car company. All right. So if you remember back to the late 90s, all the um all the all the Japanese car companies were eating American car companies' lunches, right? Better cars. Like think about how long between uh, generations of Hondas, right? In the 90s, we had six generations of Hondas or five generations mm. of Hondas, right? They were coming up with a brand new generation that meant ground up design of a car every three to four years, right? Right. Like like you know, it's like the second, third, fourth generation. They were iterating quickly. They had better produced cars because in the 80s, Americans' cars sucked um, because of mostly labor issues, in fact. Um, production quality, we could not maintain production quality. Um, there was a lot of labor issues coming out of the 70s and 80s, and the American car industry couldn't, didn't adapt to fuel regulations You know, from the 70s, the energy crisis. Right. And, but the Japanese companies did quickly. So they were coming out with small, fuel-efficient cars that were reliable, right? You know, you buy a Honda and you just keep it for life. You buy a Toyota and do the same, right? Um, and so, oh, I forget the name of the plant. There's a car plant in California that was founded upon the Toyota model of labor business relationships. 
I mean, one of the things going back, do you remember the auto hmm. bailout in the Obama administration? Oh, gosh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So some of the still holders of that time is that in, like, I think it was the the GM building, right? There was an elevators. There were two elevators. And one of the elevators was for executives. And the other elevator was for everybody else. And they both went to the same place. Right? So that gives you an idea. Hmm. You know, they both go to the same floor. But you only right. get to ride in this elevator if you're an executive. And you only get to ride this if you're everybody else. And so, again, that gives you this this very hierarchical old school way of organizing business and 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 that and that (laughs) that translates down to the floor so i mean labor issues build quality sucked um in america i'm not not sure how much american car industry also had trouble with keeping up with um automation but remember the 80s and into the early 90s was the period of automation right you're, you're transitioning from hand-built cars to robotically built cars right the japanese and the robots are coming to steal our jobs um so they built this car plant based on the toyota model it was a cooperative effort between toyota and gm i believe using the toyota model of um things many of business book has been written about this one of the things that comes out of this is like there was a basically you've been on a bus and you could pull the cord to stop the bus for mm-hmm. your stop on the entire assembly walk. If anybody saw a mistake, they could pull the cord, stop the whole assembly line and they would discuss what is the issue, right? So lead to higher build quality. Um, so getting back to Saturn, um, Saturn was GM's attempt at building a car brand based on the Japanese model. Of manufacturing, a manufacturing, you just the whole top end so it was them saying instead of trying to change our business let's make them let's just it's easier to start from scratch so they saturn though why Saturn? why the name saturn because it it was the 90s so weird it was the 90s and it's it's a very 90s brand name i guess it sounds 90-ish um and it was very successful the the first and then they also had this um no haggle approach at car dealerships that the price i I think I'm getting this right. The price on the car was the price you pay at all mm. dealerships. And so it was, you know, it was a different, you know, it was trying to be disruptive. So they came up with some really good cars with really good engines, with really good engineering that people liked. It also gave them a way to bring in some of their European engineering into America because those cars were based upon European models, you know, mm. um, you, you know, in the last episode, we talked about Holen, which is GM's Australian division. You also have Skoda, Skola, and Vauxhall. Vauxhall would be British Skola, I think. Or Skola might be VW. I don't remember off the top of my head. But they're the European body models. Uh, so it was very successful. They built very good cars. What ended up happening, it was so successful. And again, you're catching me cold here. So. You, you know, somebody's going to fact check the hell out of me on this one, but they were so successful that the business practices that they pioneered in, with the Saturn brand line, they basically introduced into all their other brands. It spilled out. And then money was tight. I mean, this was, I mean, again, you have the Pontiac Solstice and the Saturn Sky, which are basically the same thing as, you know, the, the, my current dream car is the, um, Toyota 86 are the um, 
Subaru BZ BR BZ something, which yeah. is it's a it's a Toyota engineered car with a Subaru engine, and the, and those are two different, promising two different manufacturers. But here it was basically it's the same car with two different bodies depending on if you get the Pontiac, which was the more sporty one, the Saturn, which was the more luxury one, but virtually the same car. And so money was tight. You know, we still have Pontiac at this point in time. Um, we don't have Pontiac anymore. The car industry, this was, you know, before the, uh, the auto industry crash, they just didn't invest any money into R&D and new brands. So the, the new Saturns you had, eight years later, those cars are getting old and tired and they need new models, but there was no investment of it. And so the decision was made to let's kill off some of our brands and just focus down. Um, because of the way energy regulation works and the way, because you don't have to have the same fuel economy and um, also safety, pedestrian safety is a big issue. Um, mm. on tr And I'm talking about trucks. The money was within, was in trucks. And so GM kills off the Saturn line and the Pontiac line. Um, and all those technologies, all those lessons learned had already been applied to the rest of the, their line. But I guess you're asking why Saturn? Why that name? Well, the whole thing really. But I could I I think I could understand a little bit, maybe the inspiration, given I mean, everything you just said. Saturn was kind of like a Mac of its like it was beloved. Every people who own Saturns, they're kind of like sobs, they're kind of like Vovels. People who owned them loved them. They liked them because they were different. Um Yeah, that's true. And it you know, it wasn't like it was unsuccessful, it was just the big the big parent company didn't think it was worth the money to invest in the, uh, the product line. Well, I wish they kept making Pontiac. I like that brand as a name. Right. Know. But what, tell me what's Some the difference between a Pontiac were... and a Chevy. I don't know. Yeah. That's that. I never it, owned a Pontiac. Right. Again, that's, <laughs> the, that's the whole thing is they had Pontiac, they had Chevy, they had um, Saturn, they had a uh, Cadillac Buick and they had Buick. Okay. Oldsmobile. So, don't forget. Oldsmobile. Oh, oh, they had Oldsmobile, right? All at the same time, they had all these brands and they were all GM cars. Yeah. And what's the difference? You know, people and people working there. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, but I mean, again, it's the same components, same underpinnings. If you can't tell yeah. me what's different about the car, then you're just, you, you have confusion in the marketplace. Like you either have to differentiate your brand or consolidate. It does look nice. Your, your choice here, that Saturn sky. Mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Uh, and it was, it, it was not as good as the Miata, but it was their competitor and answer to the Miata. Oh, it's solid. So, um, sharp. Real quick one that I know the answer to, but, you still haven't pl played Breath of the Wild, have you? No, I don't own a thingy. You don't own a thingy. What's it yet? called? A switch. Yeah. Yes. And at this time, you should you probably just kind of wait for the next one to come out. But, yep, yeah, I'm I'm still playing the Calamity one. I'm not rushing through it with all good speed. I've picked up. Let's talk about video games. I've picked up playing um, 
Stardew Valley again. Oh, really? Yeah, I noticed there was a. Um, I noticed that there was a uh, uh, 1.5 release of it, and so I just started okay. from scratch and I play it again. I haven't picked up um, Animal Crossing yet, but Stardew Valley is sort of an O to Animal Crossing. But I really like Stardew Valley. Um, you should, if you have a chance, because it's on everything. You should play Stardew Valley. Okay. It it is. It I has, mean, I've I've seen it. It has. But I just have avoided it. It has enough there that you. It's sort of you can play it any way you want. It's not exactly open world. Um, but how's your cyberpunk coming? Uh, a heck of a story, man. Uh, finished it on my first playthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, I played a nomad. There's three different starting positions, starting backstories. Nomad, uh, Corpo, which is your suit wearing mega corporation. So you got person. your street samurai. You got your rigger. Street person. You got your decker. You got your maid. Oh, wait. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Different game there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's just the three. So I, I started the I started the street kid storyline. It's pretty cool. But, um, you know, I finished it and it was satisfying. It actually made it made me stop and think for a while, you know, about my choices and stuff. I was like, you know, like when you watch a good movie. Yeah, like a real good movie, and, yes. And you're and you're just like you think about it for a while afterwards, and makes you reanalyze like some personal stuff in your life. And I'm like, oh man, well done, you know, because uh, I don't know. It was a very satisfying experience. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, um. Calamity Gagant Calamity the the Zelda game I've been playing. Um, hmm. it's a little repetitive. It's, it's, there's a lot of like, just, you can either level up by, you know, replaying levels a, a bunch because you have to be at a certain level to be able to beat the next level. So you either level right. up by just grinding or you can spend coins to level up. And so it's, mm. and I'm also a completionist. So I want to complete all the side quests before I go on to the next thing. Yes. I, I'm probably just not playing it right. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that's a. They know you, you know. Like, yeah, no, no. I think they have kind of gamers. So like, I wouldn't think of it that way. It's just they do have a features like, oh, you to to get this thing, you need to get all these components and say, if you replay these levels, this is where you can find the components again. So mm. it's I, I give the that's game a, a, a B minus. I give the game a B minus. It's not a bad game. What is it called? Zelda? It's the new Zelda, right? The Age of Calamity, Sky Sword, or whatever. Oh, Skyward oh, Sword Age. HD. Did you see the, uh, the Nintendo Direct came out? No. Uh, so Maybe. Nintendo Direct, you know, t- Nintendo does these. Basically, they don't do E three stuff. They kind of do these once a quarter, once some whatever releases, and so they're saying what's coming up next. So they're going to be releasing um, an HD version of Skyward Sword which was the last Zelda game right before Breath of the Wild. Wow. So, Sounds cool. So, And that was the one on the Wii. I mean, I like the idea of Skyward Sword. 
basically i like i like swords yeah and, and kind of and the cool thing about skyward sword is as you were talking about many episodes again that was the one where you had the Wii controller in one hand and the nunchuck on the other and one was your sword and one was your shield and so you would actually physically have to swing the sword and use the shield and what made that game difficult was even on the Wii even with the motion plus controllers um, it wasn't as precise as it could have been so you, you, you really did have to train very precise body movements to get it to work Precision. Uh, I got the tree moved. Yeah, I saw a few of those pictures about um, the tree. The I think, it, you know, when you have like a what is it? I had like a five foot radius. No, not a five foot. I had like a five foot diameter root ball that was about three feet deep, covered in burlap. So it's about a hundred pounds per square foot of dirt, or wet oh, dirt, something like that. Maybe that's a little high, but. You know, it was definitely five, six hundred pounds of dirt. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the the rope, not all the ropes I was using were rated for that weight. And my tractor just doesn't get traction. My little lawn tractor, my little lawnmower doesn't get traction. But I ended up just having a, a, a car and a truck, and I had enough rope that I could hook it to the, the tail of that. But the first night... The first attempt, we had it around the tree, and I was trying to pull, and I didn't. I don't think I put the the block and tackle high enough up in the tree, so I was trying to pull horizontally, and I should have mounted mm. it higher up, so I was giving some upwards to get it out of the hole. But the ropes right. around the back of the tree, like the rope around the tree, snapped, and then the ropes around the 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 rope ho- holding the the block and tackle system to my anchor point, the tree, they snapped. They weren't strong enough. And then, so I reconfigured, and then the ropes around the tree snapped. And at that point, it was cold and wet. And I said, "Let's give it a go in." And the next day, I got home and I made the I cut the root ball smaller, adjusted the ropes upward. I think if I had just adjusted the ropes upward, I would have been able to pull it out. Um, and I was able to pull it out no problem. Got it up on a big old sheet of old plywood, drilled some holes through the plywood, and attached a rope to it. And then the lawn tractor was able to slide the whole thing through the yard. It's now planted in the front yard. We just had six days of hard freeze. I guess I need to. We need Good to talk. Luck. About, we need to talk about <laughs> Texas weather here later in the episode, right? That that should be a, a show topic. Texas weather, um, and so we'll see. We'll see if the tree buds Good. out, um, or if it dies. And if it dies, then I have a nicely freshly dug hole, and I'll go get another tree. And it's not going to be that hard to dig that hole out. So, fair enough. Uh, Fair enough. Probably should have bought one more snatch block so I could have done, because I had only two. So I ran the line there. I ran the line so I could have gotten one more mechanical advantage. I was only getting Mm. two times mechanical advantage, and if I had done it one other way, I probably could have gotten three times mechanical advantage. And I've never used pulleys for work. Not really, like just a pulley and then go get some rope and then, you know, use it like that. Basically but count the number of lines bearing fun. weight. And that's how many times mechanical advantage you get. Because then I would want to get those double pulleys. Mm-hmm. So you yeah, because wham, wham, if you wham, think wham. about it, you got you to gotta tie it off one yeah. place and you got to pull yep. on the other end. And then you have to run the line. And so it just depends on how you run the line and stuff. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I did it. 
it wasn't even a pulley though but i did it once in my garage for a big uh a big ladder mm-hmm. that i strung up to the ceiling um that worked pretty well actually i think about it so it was you a know, little tiny pulley the trade-off is distance moved versus force out so like you double the distance you have to move double the amount of rope that needs to move but you're the advantage of that is you get twice as much force mm-hmm. or three times as much force pretty cool it feels like magic i think the, like the truck would lit- the truck would literally move 20 feet and the tree would move five mm. but yeah you know with a big enough block and tackle system you can move anything the yeah, must have, must be how they made the pyramids lock and tackle. Oh yeah, and right. r- mechanical advantage rolling the stones. It's rolling uh, the stones. What can you just get some logs and <laughs> you roll that's them. A, that's a that's a hymn, right, or a song or something. Uh, church thing. Roll the stone the stone way. I don't know. Roll the stone. Yeah, roll the stone way. Yeah. Um, speaking of the pyramids, some of the archaeological digs of the worker sites for the pyramids. Um, mm-hmm. really put a kibosh on that they were slaves who built it. Like the luxury, the luxury homes of the the workers who worked on the pyramids, really to point to an artisan class, a professional class, and not yeah. slaves. Yeah. So, yeah. Where did you hear that? Oh, years ago, reading some article in some science magazine about archaeological digs of, um. Mm. But basically, slaves didn't build the pyramids. They were it was it was a professional class of people who did it. Interesting. Yeah. No, you always hear about the, like the ten thousand, right? Ten thousand slaves. Yeah. Um, type of deal. History. <laughs> Who's telling the story, and what what is the point behind the story? Um, there was a wonderful book written about the Bible, good, and I can't remember the name of it, talking about the truthiness of the Bible. Okay. Talk- well, I mean, it's talking about like the even the day the people who are writing. I mean, if you talk about the New Testament and stuff like that, and the Old Testament, the when they were written, because it wasn't all written at the same period of time. No, nah, man. But it's the omnibus of yeah <laughs> stories. But it's the you know it, it the 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 more interesting question is why were these stories codified and others were not, right? Because there were there are more stories that were around then that made it into the official version. And so the question is, what? why is it important? That, why did the early founders of the church think these stories were important and left out these stories? And what are they trying to say? So that's one thing to important to remember is that, that the stories that made it into the Bible are the ones that they felt like were the important ones that you need to keep track of. But the other thing is, um, he was saying is that the Bible is has truth to it, but it's not necessarily factual truths. And so, you know, even in the story of the birth of Jesus and the census throughout the land and all that, anybody, you know, the, this story was being, the the New Testaments were written 100 to 200 years after the events, but anybody during the time would demonstrably know that those were not factually true stories, that there was, you know, they had enough history, you know, they had enough history to know that uh, the names and the dates are wrong, Right. So why are they telling that story? Because they're not trying to tell a factually true story. They're trying to tell a godly truth story. They're tra- this is there is they're making references to the truth of these events, 
you know yeah no like no i get it it's like uh yeah like uh, like uh grandfather stories that you that that you hear and that it always kind of changes a little bit but again i think the same point is transmitted yeah and and again i think they were also one of the one of the differences they were trying to make it different so these are not just you know campfire stories right these are divinely inspired Mm -hmm. like the truth the truth we're telling is divinely inspired Uh, right anyway and so it's 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 the i always make the distinction between the capital t and the lowercase t of truth of truth (laughs) yeah there's truths with lowercase t but then there's capital t's which are like um you know it gets almost into uh thoreau and henry david no henry david thoreau and ralph Waldo embassy and their transcendentalism that events point to bigger events behind them right that that the beauty of a tree there are greater truths within the beauty of a tree beyond just the beauty of the tree but you know who listens like like what carl you know it's like it's like cthulhu they're unknowable jason come on you nerd give me something let's go use your science brain what do you got what is another beauty of a tree no, no. See, that's the problem. The is beauty it, of the tree. This, the, the it, transcendentalism is a response against the imperialist. Um, they're responding against science. They're saying the science and all their measurements that doesn't get all the the truth that's out there. That yes, you can tell me the the color of this green. Yes, you can tell me how the tree works, but you're missing the whole point of the tree. The tree goes beyond science and rationality. The, the the romantics have lost me. The romantics. I mean, yeah, I guess. I don't know, man. The, I think I think transcendentalism. Transcendentalism, and and again, I've never quite fully understood transcendentalism, but it's it's saying transcendentalism. Transcendentalism, that there is there truths beyond. There are truths beyond the truths you can see. There are. Truths that transcend. Yes. It's literally what <laughs> a butterfly yeah. flapping his wings means more than a butterfly flapping its wings. There is bigger truths within the butterfly. So I get it. I like to base those those truths in like things we know though too, right? Like and see, things that you can know and I can know. See, transcendentalists not, would not, say no. They they would not that they right? would not they, they, they would not be in that realm. All right. Yeah, but we could both know them. I, I would think. Otherwise, the, the more run, the more runs feeling. The more runs feeling, right? There are known knowns and unknown knowns, right? The more in the, uh, yeah, there's unknown knowns out there. All right. What else do you want to say about since we, since we've gone on to this transcendentalism, which will probably become another follow up? What more? Oh boy, yeah, transcendentalism. Yeah, put that in the show notes. Transcend. Dentalism. Of course, my English teacher loved calling me Henry David in high school. Really? Yeah. I I was. That's always fun. Well, because I was about as obstinate in high school. Imagine me obstinate in high school. Hmm. Where where people get you? Don't say. I know. Um, The next piece of show notes, and I'm not remembering. You know, follow up, and I don't remember what this is. Is where is common core math end at 
Do you know? And I think what I'm asking here is, um, we know that there's calculus, right? And we know that calculus is a preparatory class for science and engineering majors. But for the every person in Common Core, what level do they end up with? And we, I might need to call Talitha, or do you know off the top of your head? Um, from so the limit. In so Washington so what? State. So what do twelfth grade? I, well, no, no, I, I'm not talking about Washington State's implementation of Common Core, but in Common Core, what is the twelfth grade standards? Off the top of my head, yeah, I, I can. Well, let's just let's just. I, I want to move on. We can we can come back to this at another date. We'll we'll have an educational episode. We'll have guest stars on on that. Mm. It's a new promising things. I, I, I think we could get a few educational guest stars, at least other people we know. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think that Definitely. would be a, a good topic. But again, I just wanted to know: is it trigonometry? Is That's it basically pre-cal, where Common Core ends, or has. does it end at calculus? Here's what it breaks it after eighth grade. It breaks it into, um, I guess you could call them. Throw a Lincoln. They're kind of like skills, I guess. Yeah, here I'll get a link for you. Boom. So it, essentially, it looks like. Um, well, where's your math? Did you type in math? You didn't type in math, did you? Oh no, I there it is. It. Yeah. Okay. No, it's right there. Put right there. Sorry, everybody. I am clickety click click clack. Literally, this is the first time I've been this involved in show notes. Mm. <laughs> I'm learning, Carl. I'm learning. So it, it breaks it out into. I'm gonna have numbers to teach you the markdown version, the markdown that I need later. <laughs> Algebra, functions, modeling, geometry, mm. stats, and probability. Oh. So it's not. It it is like knocking on the door of trigonometry. You know, and there is some trigonometry in here. Knock, not trig- knocking on heaven's door. But it's not like I'm going to teach you all of trigonometry. Yes, I know, Carl. It's a song. I've heard okay, of it. Uh, okay, okay. Okay. It's not even a band I don't okay. like. <laughs> it's a band I hate. <sighs> I don't even get a reference to knowledge. All right, fine, fine. I, yes, I know. I know. It's It's my needy self here. It's my needy self. I heard it. I heard it. I heard it. No, I see. Ignoring I it. That's all. I know. I, I... <laughs> no, so, that, so that's, that's what it is, I think. Um, and if you think about it, if you could get if you could get high school students to have a a a, a decent understanding of algebra, like mm-hmm. just algebra, a- algebraic logic, right? Like then You've you've won huge, yeah, <laughs> big. No, I I, I see yeah. what it's, I see I, I see what it's doing there. I was gonna say, yeah, our youngest has been when she gets tired has have been having behavioral regression issues, and so last mm. night she was in her bed and she's like yelling at us to come bring her something, which she's totally capable of getting out of bed and doing. And I said, and my and I, I said to my wife, just ignore, ignore, just let her. And she's like, I can't. So I'm just, and she's, so my wife gets up and leaves the room, but right. I, I see what you're doing there to me. You're like, just ignore, don't encourage the behavior. <laughs> Not necessarily. I get, I mean, I just, I don't get all of them. No, no, no. Don't so encourage like I, the behavior. I try to, 
It's okay. I mean, you need a place for it, Carl. You need a place for it. So this is your place. I, you know, it's as much as your place says it is mine. I, I it is had... our <laughs> internet apartment. There you go. It's our <laughs> internet apartment. We get to show up to every now and then. I haven't had. I haven't been in school for like a week now. Uh, which I guess we should. Ah. I guess we should Playing launch hooky, into huh? the wet. Let's 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 do that British thing and let's talk about the weather. Oh boy. Yeah, we could do that. That's fine. Uh, do you got any questions for me in the Ask Walter section? Ask Walter. What do I want to ask you about? I don't know. I think there was something, actually. What the hell was it? We'll come back to it. Go on to, with your weather. Well, uh, I don't know if you've heard, <laughs> but we've had a touch of weather here, down here in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's super hot. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, it's like we, really, really hot. Well, um, we're in the 70s today. Jeez, man! <laughs> Make up your mind. <laughs> <laughs> that is a huge swing from from um from negative from from 10 to 70. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, and I'm using Fahrenheit for you. Uh, from 10 to 70. Yeah, so. Uh, we had a cold front come down to Texas. Um, yeah, you did. And the power plants in Texas froze up. So all the water inlets, all the cooling systems, the uh, the natural gas plants, the density of the gas, they couldn't keep the gas as pressurized, so the density dropped. The... Um, the coal froze together so it couldn't go into the hoppers. About a third of the windmills froze up. So at the same time that you had a cold front coming up, um, the uh, supply of electricity in Texas basically was reduced from, I think, like 70, 65, 65 kilowatts down to 30 kilowatts of electricity available. And so that then they had to start doing rolling blackouts because Jeez. it is better to, um, you know what a short circuit is, right? Yeah. So basically if a circuit is demanding more electricity than the, the supply can supply, you get physical damage to the components. And so because there wasn't enough electricity to meet the entire grid's demands, you have to shut some of the things off. Otherwise, you get physical damage to the components. And um, and then that takes... Less repairable. Well, that takes months mm -hmm. to fix, right? Then you're without power for long term. Uh, so they basically did rolling blackouts. So in the middle of this, um, we were having... Um, for the first two, three days, we were having basically 30 minutes of electricity every two hours. And, you know, houses are heated down here with, you know, we have a gas furnace without the, the, the fans blowing. It's useless, right? It, without electricity, the gas furnace doesn't do anything. We do have a fireplace, but our fireplace doesn't work. It, I spent last winter fighting it and trying to figure out what was wrong with it. But every time I started a fire in it, basically the house would be filled with smoke. And so it was out of the question. Yuck. Um, so we spent, you know, 30 minutes of electricity, two hours without, at 10 degrees, 18 degrees Fahrenheit temperatures outside, well below freezing. 
And we had snow and ice and sleet. Again, things not normal to Texas. Um, and um, so about day three, because we've been dripping our pot, we've been dripping the faucets to keep the water running and stuff. And I was monitoring the temperature. I have a pier and beam house, so we were monitoring the situation to make sure the pipes don't freeze and all that. Um, basically because the water power plants were without electricity as well. All the water towers in our town ran dry. Um, Austin was out, you know, basically because the electricity had been out, people lost water. The pumps stopped working. So system-wide water failure. So now we're dealing with no electricity, no water. Um, and that went on for another two days. So it was it was like a whole week. Um, it is now Sunday. The snow melted. The last of the snow melted yesterday. And, you know, by Friday afternoon, uh, Friday afternoon, we got up into the, the 50s and 60s and the snow melted. Friday night, it went down below freezing again. But Saturday, it since Saturday, it's been above freezing. And as, it, as I said, today, I could go out in probably a, a, a light jacket and not bundled up. So, right. uh, you know, yeah, we were without power. Pretty intense. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, how much snow did you end up with? Oh, eight, ten inches. Oh my gosh! You know, in Texas, sunny side so levels. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, in all reality, if it, the thing that was the most stressful was having to make sure I would worry about somebody else, like making sure I could, because you know, one morning I woke up, we had power, I started making eggs. By the time I got done scrambling eggs and I had just put them into the pan, the power went out. So I had Whoa. wet eggs in a pan. And I'm like, well, okay. So I went down to the, the garage. I got a blowtorch out and I finished the eggs with a blowtorch. Nice. <laughs> Good call. I like that. Yeah. You know, see, but see, was- this is a sign of, of, of my people, my friends. They they do things like this. They give blow torches to cook their food, you know, or I, start, start a fire. Start around the house with like eight layers of clothes, and I'm fine. And you know, but you know, no internet, no computer, no computer, no electricity. I'm surprised you didn't get a garage fire or something going. You know, and that I, I'm not gonna start a gra- I'm not gonna start a fire in the shielding. garage. Well, with like you know, with venting and yeah, some tarp. I, wasn't worth it wasn't worth situations. it yeah no i get um, it but. And, but my parents were getting more i wouldn't have put it past you my parents have a fireplace and they were getting more reliable electricity than us so at some point mm. i just drove the kids down to the parents house um Good call. on wednesday and um i mean because monday like this this all started on us last sunday and as, as I said, it was a whole week. Um, school got canceled. School, were ver- at first they were going to say, okay, we're going to do virtual schooling online. And um, and then when everybody was without electricity to do internet, they're like, yeah, we're going to cancel that. So they canceled school throughout the week. Um, I still, even though everything is nice, we're still going to do virtual school on Monday. Um, I think the, the rumor out there or the news out there is that 
a lot of the pipes at the schools burst. Mm. So again, Texas that sucks when, you know, you know, we're not Jeez. two to three days of below freezing weather will burst a lot of pipes. Um, so what happened is the other reason why we lost water is because the, I think I read in the newspaper yesterday that the city, just my little small town had 263 leaks in the pipes they they have identified so far so like basically they you know they were the water just left the system um and then they didn't have enough electricity to pump it back in um and so i think the schools are without water still so even though the cold weather is gone now we're dealing with all the damage to the the plumbing and getting yeah. and getting water going back again um I heard, um, I heard Dan Benjamin, right from another podcast we listened to, talk oh, yeah. about this because he lives in Austin. Austin, Austin was and, worse, or yeah. Austin area, and he said two two things that he said. Number one was that a plumber he spoke with said there were something like, only like seventy thousand licensed plumbers in the entire state, right? So to to, to handle all the jobs. You said in your little town there were two hundred. Just do the math on that. No, th- these are two hundred leaks amount in of the damage. city system. The north. We're not talking about leaks in homes. We're talking about leaks oh, in city pipes. Yeah. Point is, not able to handle it. Right. Right. And then on top of that, um, I forgot the other thing. Actually, oh, the blackouts. So like, so then thinking about electricity, and <laughs> now that things are thawing out everyone's going to want to turn the electricity on like at the same time. Yeah. Right. And leave it on and like not trust it that it'll stay on. So the power need is going to be such a huge well, amount. Like it's going to the, serve there, the system. There's enough electricity in the grid to meet the normal demand. Um, the it's pro- not normal. The, yeah. but the, well, the problem was, is that the, the providers of electricity they shut down because of the cold. So right. what? So had had their systems been prepared for cold weather events, mm-hmm. everything would have been fine. Everybody would have been cold. We would just have to deal for with, sure. you know, basically it snowed. I mean, because when it starts snowing, it well, it rained, and so the road was covered with ice. And then we got six inches of snow on top of that, and then people drove on the snow because we don't have snow plows. <laughs> So then the road the road was three to four inches of ice, right? Nice. So you know, that's you know, a lot of ice. Yeah, you know, it, for three to four days it would just been travel would have been very difficult. But we all would have sat at home with no power and been fine. The problem was is the power plants shut down, and so then there wasn't enough electricity to go around, and so then they had to limit people's supply, and then. I'm not going to go into I, I, there. There are, there are wonderful articles about how the grid system and how this all went down in Texas. Um, I would do a terrible job at recounting that now, and it, since it's so relevant, you don't need my know-it-all skills. You can you got better know-it-alls on the internet who have been posting about this. Um, I yeah. will I will say this: it wasn't the windmills. A third of the windmills did go down. Yes. The remaining two thirds of windmills outperformed. They basically made up for the slack. Yeah, I heard about that. The non renewables NPR was did a little piece about that. The not the non. I'm sorry. The renewable energy sources were um, 
Yeah, totally outperforming. And again, the reason that one of the reasons Texas has more windmills in it than any other state in the country is because of the deregulation. You know, it you know, the when I when we moved up to Washington state, we had to go through the Texas panhandle to get there. And right. I I think I've told you the story before, but at some point in North Texas, we hit the windmill farms. And we drove oh. for three hours straight. You know how you, when you drive to Portland, you hit the windmills? Jeez. Oh, I know about them, yeah. For about two to three hours straight of driving at highway speed, we were in the middle of a windmill farm. That's a lot of windmills. It's like 180 miles. Yeah. yeah that was, it, it was like, like 200 miles. We start, you, start seeing, you start seeing windmills all around you, and it didn't stop. So, like, there are a lot of windmills in Texas. Um, Holy shnikes. You know, Texas Panhandle up there is flat. It's Tornado Alley. It's great winds. Um, but that 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 gets us to what I really want to talk about on self-reliance. Okay. So that's the background of what mm. I want to talk about is self-reliance. Um, because... I'm on a uh, I'm on a thread a thread a thread uh, a, a group message chat with a bunch of my uh, oil and gas field buddies out of Houston that have all made much more success out of their lives because they've know how to you know ah, anyway but yeah yeah they you know and, I, and they're and they're and they're and then again it's they're they're talking about their their power gen yeah oh at some point I drove and borrowed an old um, electric generator. That hadn't run in three years. And I got it up and running. And again, just once I got the kids out of the house to someplace I knew they were warm, safe, and could get fed regularly, because those are the three things I was trouble dealing with. And I could mm-hmm. go without eating for a little bit. I can bundle up and be okay. Right. Once I got my kids someplace where I I felt comfortable with them being safe, I was okay just to hunker down with the house. Um so I got an old. I got uh, uh, my father-in-law's uh, uh, old old uh, generator, and it hadn't been running three four years, and so I you know changed got fresh gas in it, cleaned the carb, put a new fuel you know did some basic maintenance, and it started up no problem. And I said, oh, we got power now, and I have a hundred foot cable, and I could run the hundred foot cable up through the garage, and it could reach any place we wanted in the room. And I said, okay, got the generator up. Do we want to hook an electric heater to this now? And we're day four or five at this point. And my wife's like, nah, we're good. And I'm like, yeah, we're good. So it's there if we need it. Nice. But, you know, maybe at some point earlier I might have used it, but we were out of water at that time. Anyway, so. But they're talking about yeah. getting home generated systems up. And and I don't know, you know, you walk into a, a Home Depot and they got, here's your home generator. So here's how you do your own personal generator, right? Self-reliance, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't trust the power grid. So here, buy this expensive piece of kit, right? And, you know, they're talking about how much a generator costs and if you do it yourself and wiring. But I think on, you know, if you just get a generator, you're going to spend five. 600 bucks, maybe cheaper to 300. But if you get something that ties into your house, you're, you're talking about a multi-thousand dollar project at that point. Does that sound right to you? Mm. Sounds about right, yeah. I've never looked, but 
And so again, this gets to the issue of stuff. If your response to a failure in governance and collective reliance is that I will protect my own so I don't have to rely upon government, right? Right. You are forgetting that there are people that this is not an option for them, right? Right. Like, you shouldn't, like, the, the, the idea, the ideology that you shouldn't rely on government, take care of yourself, right, does mm-hmm. require a certain level of wealth to be, tr- be, to be true. And so there is a degree of arrogance to say to somebody, you shouldn't be prepared. You shouldn't take care of yourself. Because if, if you say you shouldn't take care of yourself to someone, that is, well, that's that's a little bit wrong and, and arrogant. Yeah, of course. And short-sighted is the other part of that. But when people become so self-reliant, then collectively we start forgetting the poor in essence we start forgetting the poor it's starting like well mm. i'm good these what's wrong with these other people that they're not good i was ready why are they not ready what's wrong what is morally wrong with them that they're expecting the government to help them because i w- went out and did these things i went out i prepared so there must be something morally wrong with them and that's where we're headed um, in a lot of things of, you know, as, you know, the, the, the power system in Texas is highly capitalized, right? It's very competitive. Um, and so the incentive is cheap delivery of energy. Where you see the failure of this is, is, well, what happens when things go belly up, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the tension within a capitalistic market. I mean, again, I'm I'm more of a capitalist than I am a socialist. <laughs> I'm I, I more believe in market based economy than I don't. But then, but I don't. I have you have to like what what are my you know, in any system? What are the trade offs? You're getting this for that, right? So where is where is the pressure on the system to prepare for things that are not money profit based? Um, and competition doesn't do that. And if, you know, and if the attitudes of people of I have my, now I have a generator, right? Mm. Reduces your stress to want to make things better. Again, there is a sheer arrogance in telling people not to be prepared, right? To not take care of themselves. But the more self-reliant people become, the less they reduce their pressure to want to make systems better. Because if you're fortunate enough to have systems work for you, you are less wanting to make things a system better. Because if things are working for you, you have no pressure to make sure it works for everybody. That's where I want to go to. Yeah, and that's and that's a bit of the that market philosophy you're talking about, you know. And one thing you made me think about is uh, markets are successful and capitalism is successful 
once you have some of these foundational social things handled, right? Like at the level of capitalistic systems and markets that we have now, you need underlying social systems in place in order to even run a successful market. Like you can't run a, you can't be, you can't have a big market on, on cell phone technology and iPhones if people are struggling to have like food and like water, you know? Yeah. What allows cell phones to exist is the fact that you can transmit signals over the air, right? Right. So the question then becomes who owns a frequency? Right? Okay. Yeah. Like right. the frequency is a not, it's a resource, right? But you don't consume that resource, right? But if two people yeah. try to transmit at the same frequency at the same time, no one wins, right? So you have, well, yeah, they cancel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they cancel each other. They are, are too much garbage, too much noise, right? So you have to, mm. you can't say it's a free for all, right? Mm -hmm. So who owns the airways? And the way it's been decided is that it's a public service that the government then decides, the government then splits up. Yeah. They issue the, different wave bands yeah wavelengths and stuff like that um so you know i've often thought um one of the biggest barriers to um one of the biggest barriers to growth and industry and innovation in this country is that healthcare is hey folks welcome to the episode where we get a touch political if you weren't if you didn't realize that already we told you in episode one, we will be political. So meh. Occasionally. Um, <laughs> occasionally. More than that. Um, if you don't know us, you then yeah, meh. But healthcare being tied to employment, right? Yeah. Is a barrier to innovation. Because if you, you know, if you want to have flu and again, here's another issue with our modern the modern, the way, I don't think a lot of people realize fluidity within employment, fluidity within jobs is only going to increase as opposed to stability. Um, been watching, looking, reading about some of the side effects of that, right? Um, if you're switching jobs every five to six years or every two to three years even, right? Mm -hmm. Um that you're building a different sort of like you have no incentive to make things better right if things are bad mm. you just move on right if you if you keep looking for the good place maybe part of the problem that's so hard is because and again as an end again a lot of these things we're ta i'm talking about are not things that we we have bought into a myth that the individual can do something about it Right, individual action will solve problems, and when you're talking about collective problems, you can do what you want. You can protect yourself. I can recycle. I can cut down on my waste. I can eat less meat. I can do all these things. I can buy an electric car, but all those individual actions will not have one single help on the big issue because it's the problem is big enough that it requires collective action to deal with, and individual action is not big enough to do with. Kind of. You, you you can't solve global warming by individual actions, right? You cannot get a movement of people that all do something. Kind of. 
it, it's it's hard to see though, Carl. It's hard to see because of our our perspective and mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. But right? going down- and and when you say you can't, you know, it's because you're basing it on like what what has changed, right? But if you look the individual doesn't back, have, yeah, but the individual doesn't have a big enough impact in changing their behavior to make a difference. Well, individuals have created tremendous impact in this country. Movements, movements have. Well, that's what they cause. Yeah, that's what they cause, right? Uh, yeah, I, again, I, I, I'm on the fence about the big man of history ideas, whether it's bunk or not. Well, every, everyone has to like point to someone to, and then the person pointing is also a person, you know, also get it with their own crowd. So if like, there wasn't a Martin Luther King, there were six other people that could have done that role. Totally. Uh, again, there is a Martin Luther King. Oh, totally. But yeah. it didn't. The movement didn't require a Martin Luther King. The movement was the movement. If yeah. there wasn't a Trump, there's six other people, and we see them now coming up. <laughs> <laughs> he he who shall not be named. Um, but yeah, Voldemort. Yeah. Right, but um. Said. At least Voldemort was competent. Um, Super competent. Are you kidding me? Oh, Part of me rooted for him. Part of me. Nah, nah. Uh, I still haven't finished bit. the last two books. It was awesome. I know. In his own way. <laughs> he was just nuts, but he was awesome. So, uh, you know, if if you tie, tie, uh, uh, tie health insurance to something that you can take with you, as opposed to your employment, people will be more able to move jobs. You mean like your citizenship? Well, I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm not. Like I am a U.S. citizen, so I am covered in healthcare. Yeah. Like I don't have to. I've, yeah. Again, go I don't bankrupt to handle a broken leg we'll or see. something or a two hundred dollars for a Tylenol. I don't need to pay that because. You know, we'll see. Um, I'm a citizen. I just don't know if that would work. In I mean, that works other places just fine, and it works gr- and more than fine. It works great. Um, yeah, really does. I don't see the structure within America making that work. Um, but I don't know. Um, but you would if 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 health insurance wasn't something that held you back. And the reason why I think businesses should get behind some other system is one, it would make their employees more productive Two, you know, when I took this, when I, I just switched jobs from Brian to Brenham, Brenham pays a couple thousand dollars a year more than college station. But I think college station had better healthcare. And I think that's where my extra salary comes from. So that, mm. like, if, again, if your employer, like, you would get, I mean, in my, I think my ideal situation until something shows me better, and I'm not, wet, I'm the only idea that I am hold hard on is that my, my insurance should not be tied to my employer. You need to have insurance in collective groups because, again, an individual on his own has too much liability for health insurance. But as a group policy, you can bring the cost down. Uh, you need to pool, you know, insurance pools. But if my employer could pay you 
three to $6,000 more and then leave it up to you to seek insurance. Um, that might be an overall win. Yeah. But again, but again, the, the you know, the other alternative is that three to $6,000 more becomes taxes that then pay for government health insurance. Either of those systems have yeah. is known to work. Uh, we had that before, Carl. Right? Well, we never had that. Like pre-2008. No, we, we, we had it where um, it wasn't totally tied to your employer, right? Didn't we? Mm-mm. That's The Obama plan is, was basically trying for that health insurance wasn't tied to your employers, but they kept the... Well, Any, anyway, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, not here to talk about healthcare so much is just the danger of believing that you can be self-reliant and be part of a society. Yeah, I think, I think you got to something there. Like, I... because like, again, one should be prepared, right? The better you are prepared, the better you take stresses off the system, right? But in your preparedness, in your I'm taking care of my own. Do not forget that that is a luxury and not something that you can demand. Well, it's something that everyone should strive towards, but not everyone can be as prepared as you that your station in life allows you. Right? Yeah. not, Not everybody can afford to attach a generator to their house, right? But if we start getting into a place where all new housing construction, and I watch, you know, I've been watching a bunch of construction. All new houses have ge- electric generators next to them, right? Right. That re- that reduces any desire on the system to have a reliable system because oh, everybody has a generator, right? right? Kind of. If everybody has a generator, I mean. I- I mean, I hear what you're saying, and hard to know. I think I think it's harder to know than than simply. Um, I finish your point. Actually, go ahead. No, that's oh. that's it. Well, like I like self reliance. Obvious. Oh, I yeah. hope that's obvious. I, yeah. I do. I totally do. Um, the reason people are able to be self reliant these days is because of everything that strong society provides here in america right like don't forget we and that's the thing is a a lot of our prepper type community um libertarian type community who are all about their own personal blah 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 and their own you know i take care of like you said take care of my own uh i think i think they forget they get lost a little bit in the fact that putting into society and caring about your community on the whole, the the people you like and the people you don't like, the people you think deserve it and the people who you think don't deserve help. I think they forget that they're all one thing and that that is our society and our community. And the reason they're able to be uh, an individual or a family that, that holds their views and is able to be prepared in the case of catastrophe is because of all those things that people have built up and pitched in on this entire time, you know, and they'll all of a sudden pull away and shame or, you know, say certain people are morally bankrupt is it's, it is such a adolescent view of, of life 
it is basic human nature. It's the basic working of the brain to forget that other people's experiences are different than yours. Yes. I mean, the, 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 the natural default is to think, you know, you think that you are the star of the movie and everybody else in this, right. everybody else you encounter are supporting players in the movie. That is your life. Yeah. Right. It, it is, it is easy and it, it is easy and natural to think that to slip into the fallacy that your experiences are the same as others. And so that when you encounter experiences and viewpoints and thoughts that are different than you, they are going to feel foreign. And sometimes they're going to feel confrontational and sometimes they're going to feel different. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Long ago, I rejected moral realism and postmodern thinking. I do not like the thing like the postmodern thinking is there are no truths. There is no truth. There might be a lot of truths. Um, I, you know, that you can't criticize other people's cultures. You can't criticize other people's thoughts and beliefs because they're different than yours and everybody's different. Um, and it comes down to, you know, even in science, there's never one right answer, but it's sure easy to point out what the wrong answers are. Right. It's, so, the, and it and it, and then it becomes very tricky. Like, is this viewpoint is this viewpoint wrong, or is it different? And a lot of times, it's just different. There are views yeah. and thoughts that are different and wrong. Racism, right? Yeah, um, you know, racism is wrong. Um, yes. Racism is wrong, everybody. Right, but just, but again, again, that remember that's a different viewpoint. That's a different idea. It's. I'm not well. <laughs> again, the, how do you know if someone's a racist? They say they're not a racist. Uh, <laughs> pissed somebody off the other day. It's like, how do you know if someone's a racist? Well, they tell you they're not a racist. Are you saying I'm a racist? I'm like, no, but I would be careful saying you're not because you have racist ideas, and if you know. If you haven't examined your racist thinking, you will act upon it. You are a byproduct or of the culture. fall victim to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, you will use it as justification, and you yeah. won't. You won't realize. You know, there are very few people who are actively racist in this world, but there are a lot of people mm-hmm. who are. We've talked about this before. Passively racist. Right. Yeah. They they use, they use racist ideas and ideology, not as because they're actively racist, but because it's a convenient excuse to justify actions and behaviors. Yeah. Um, and again, it's a different culture, but that doesn't mean that just because it's different, it's right. But most of the time, different doesn't mean wrong. The majority of the time, different doesn't mean wrong. But there are occasions when you you have to say this is wrong, right? Like racism. Like racism it is wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, you know the th- the idea of human dignity is just an opinion. That human life has dignity is not a fact. That's an opinion. But I would say it's a very true opinion, right? And so, if any ideology built upon saying that certain human lives are not 
should not deserve dignity. Those are wrong viewpoints to hold. Uh, I was headed somewhere with this, but, you know. Well, it's funny how we went from talking about, um, you know, being self-reliant and we ended up in racism. Right. right. I can't, I keep coming back to, you know, um, Aristotle virtues, Aristian virtues, right? Have uh-huh. you heard, heard of the concept of that? Yeah. Like courage. What yep. courage is a virtue, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, what do we call extreme courage? Uh, foolhardiness, right? If you have extreme courage, you will rush into a dangerous situation without regard to life and limb. Well, you want somebody to rush in and save people, right? But if you're too foolhardy, yeah. you're going to rush in and get yourself killed, right? But what is the what's the opposite of that? Cowardliness, right? So yeah. how much courage should one have? We know that courage is good, but too much courage is will lead to bad things, and too little courage will lead to bad things, right? And so the question becomes, what is the proper amount of virtue, right? And like so okay. many other things in life, it all is Goldilocks, right? This one is too hot. This one is too cold. This one is just right. And that's the idea Moderation. of Aristian virtues and like, all right, what are the virtues? And then what is an excess of this virtue and what's a deficit of this virtue? And then use that as a founding place of like, so yeah, absolutism is like anybody who starts talking in absolutes, um, you're wrong. Right. There isn't even even any even the 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 Bill of Rights, none of those are absolute. Right? You have a freedom yeah. you have a freedom of speech up to a point, right? The Bill of Rights just puts a heavier you know, the heavier burden on the government to prove that it has a need to limit your speech. But you're not allowed to go it is not freedom of speech to pay someone to go kill someone. Even though that's an act of speech, you're, you know, are to incite, well, hmm, are to incite a riot is not protected under freedom of speech. You can't yell, the, the classic example, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, right? You know, yeah. you know, I see all the time about, about bombs in an airplane. All right. I, I see yeah. all the time. Like there, 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 there's no amount of gun control that's is acceptable. I'm like, Really? Right, because we tried that in the twenties, and people owned machine guns. Right, mm-hmm. um, but again, you can still own a machine gun. Have we talked about how you how how the government was able to the, the how the law was written to keep most people buying a machine gun? Never. It's a tax. You have to pay a tax to own a machine gun. To get the license to own, yeah. it's, so it's not an infringement. So you can You're still rich enough. Well, it's not. Yeah. The, it's a thousand dollars. It's two thousand dollars. That's a lot for somebody. It Some, is. Some but, people, that's what, a lot. But you have to pass a background check first. So there is a series of steps to be able to pay the tax, and that's how they limit who owns, you know, machine guns. But again, that is still a limit on your ownership of a gun, right? And then we can get into, yeah. the, uh, you know. We can get into what the Second Amendment means, but the last three Supreme Court cases on the Second Amendment have totally been counter to what I how I read the amendment. Right. Um, but again, they're not absolutism is right. And then 
it's one of the reasons I hate Goldwater, right? Uh, mm. Goldwater's, I mean, start go back to the 60s and what what starts the modern conservative movement is this phrase that extremism in the face of liberty is not extreme. I think, I'm, I'm paraphrasing him, but his phrase, for the, the right. Republican National Convention, Barry Goldwater, was extremins, extremism in defense of liberty is not extreme. And of course, what he's talking about then, because I, I think Goldwater lost to LBJ, is what he's talking about there is civil rights. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Somebody telling you a mask, yes, is an infringement on some sort of liberty, but seriously, it is, you know. One, if you one, you're an idiot if you ever use a slippery slope argument, right? Um, well, that that, can, that that was kind of something uh, you brought up earlier. Made me think. Like, I, I expect the expectations on on a on a adult human beings for me is is kind of high. I guess you know we talked about you know being self reliant and understanding society and all these things, and you have responsibilities just, now. Yeah. You know, I, I mentioned that it was an adolescent view to think that that the reason you can be independent is because it has nothing to do with society and has everything to do with your own personal choices. It, it's a it's a that's the same kind of choices and logic my sixth grade students would have, right? If I taught middle school, like that's the same kind of logic they had, right? Not looking at the systems that underpin everything about their life. You know, and I expect grown ass adults in America to know those things, like to know the systems that support them. I had I had some I had a friend of mine ask me early on, you know, like uh, I think it was probably when was it? it must have been like April last yeah. year. Say, so, hey, uh, are teachers um, are they? Uh, what was the word they were using? The term term of phrase for uh, for workers essential. Are teachers essential workers? You know, and and he knew he knows I'm a teacher. And he he himself is a you know he he works in in the community helping uh he's a big part of infrastructure. We'll put it that way, without <laughs> giving away too much opsec. You know, but he was like, you know, are, are teachers essential? And I paused for a second. Cause I wanted to give him a good answer. And I immediately went to like, well, the way a lot of things are funded go like this. And part of that agreement is that students are educated. The public is educated. And, you know, I just kept going and going and going because it has nothing to do with like, does this individual teacher doing teachers? Here's a teacher. Here's a police officer. Which one's essential in this particular moment in this in this instance and it's not that it's a larger thing it really comes know? down and to how you write the rubric right that word essential how what rubric are you using at that moment sure I mean, yeah, yeah kind of in any way that you use it though right no but it again it takes a broader view of, of the systems right well how yeah that's what i meant is how broad you interpret the word essential right no, not even that. Even a narrow view. Well, you like essential right this moment or essential in the long term? 
but again, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback on this. You know, one function of education beyond just education um, is the the economic powerhouse. I mean, again, you you hear people like yeah. uh, just childcare. Well, in a sense, yeah. Um, like the fact that you can send your kids reliably to some place for the majority of the day so that you can earn a living means that there are more people in the workplace, right? Yeah. But part of that, but beyond just, it's just childcare, but beyond that is you're also sending your kids to a place where they are, where the, the goal is to better them. Yeah. Right. To be, to become better. Um, and it, and if society starts to not value that, that, um, Huh, getting back to Hobbes and Locke's here, that social contract of education, right? Totally. But you know, one of the one of the problems with the pandemic is is if you're doing online education, then you need someone at home f- to monitor the kids, right? And you're losing half your workforce. Well, at first that was true. Right. And it it, it is it is a disruption to the system. So the other day, um, she waited for me to get home to do some math homework. And um, and so we started working on the math homework. And by that time, her ADH medicine had worn out. So it took longer to do the practice work. It took longer than we expected. And it was like 8, 9 o'clock, all right. And I said, okay, it's late. Tomorrow's Saturday. We'll get up early in the morning. We'll finish. We'll do the quiz. And then we'll have the rest of the day. Because we worked hard on the, the, the practice. And I'm like, okay, cool. And so we go to bed. I get up. She comes in and goes, Dad, I've already finished my math homework. I was like, oh, good for you. You're being proactive. I was very proud of her. Mm-hmm. Later on in the day, I went in to check to see how she had finished the math homework. And she had just basically rushed through and guessed on all the problems. And I said, it's done. It's done. <laughs> I'm like, this is, this is, and this is not a, this this isn't this is a problem we've been dealing with. Classic, classic, a classic. You know, just classic move. Okay. <laughs> and, yeah. and we had a talk. Just shove everything under the bed I, blanket. We had a talk. Room clean. <laughs> mm-hmm. We had a talk. <laughs> I sat her down. I made her work all the problems again. Later on, her, my wife contacted the teacher. The teacher opened up the quiz again. She was able to take the quiz. Right, grace in the system. Very, you know, very good. But still, it's like. Yeah, the point with learning, you have to monitor. Not getting it done. Yeah, yeah. And again, that yeah. get, and then that gets into an issue, and, and we're gonna we're gonna start to run long here, but um, and I'll save it for another episode. But that gets an issue. Of what's you know, how are grades and assignments structured? Oh boy, to to mm-hmm. to, to um, you know, our good friend, our good mutual friend Tyler, on Twitter, <laughs> <laughs> has yeah. a lot to say about these things. Uh, what uh. What's his last name again? Tyler Rablin. Tyler Rablin. If you're not Rablin. following, if, if you're in education, you're not following Tyler Rablin on Twitter. You should do so. Um, talking mm-hmm. about talking about ideas that uh, will make you think. Talk about ideas. You know, discomfort. Right. You know, new ideas should be discomforting. And and mm-hmm. you know, you know, two thirds of what he says, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. And then he says something like, mm. I'm too much of a well, video. Ga- you know. I, I want yeah, my. Ass- 
Yeah. So again, yeah, we we started a group. We started a group uh, of Sunnyside educators to uh, to go through grading and assessment, yeah. and that's what we're sort of focused on right now. We've met twice, and um, I, f- I think I've mentioned it to him at least once, but I'm going to mention it to him again. See if he's interested in coming on our little rinky dink podcast. Yep. Hey, I think it's. I think this is good. I think this is a good stopping point. Family's up, so I'm gonna. We're, yeah, we're, we're gonna. We're, we're gonna. We're gonna sign off. <laughs> it has been a. We're at an hour twenty eight. Yeah. Hold on a sec. My wife is saying something to me. Then we'll we'll do the sign off here. So, uh, sure. uh, three, two, one. Is that what you say when you're trying to put an edit point in? Or I, I don't know. Click right. I'll, I'll do this. Yeah, Steven, do do the Stephen Hackett go. trick of, of of making things in there to <laughs> to 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 get rid of Hurley's. Um, we'll talk about Zoom in a sec. Yes, love. Three, two, one. Yeah, coffee. Yeah. Need more coffee. Yeah. Three, two, one. Um, all right. So, ladies and gentlemen, um, we've been having some weather. Uh, you'll hear about this in two weeks from now or something. Um, and then the cat. Nice. Will, the cat will jump that was on everything. Good. Uh, nice holy work. Yep. This has been the optimist and the know-it-all, or the know-it-all and the optimist. Uh, you can email us at sunshine and knowledge at gmail.com to have all your opinions uh you can follow me at von walther at all the social media outputs if you want to follow jason uh send me a message and i'll make sure it doesn't get to him and uh anything else you want to say in closing uh yeah just keep listening and um i don't know keep thinking i guess all right jason yeah, those two things promote mm-hmm. the show so we get, get those <laughs> listeners out there <laughs> will do uh, so take the last episode and promote it and then we'll do that and hey ladies and gentlemen all honesty um, if you like what you're hearing see if you can find some other people that like this story and we'll go from yeah. there alright good enough man see you guys later I'm gonna end stop recording zoom and I'm gonna stop the recording on
Hey, Heather. What do you got there? <laughs> wow, right on cue. Look at that. What, why don't you come show... You want to come show Jason what this nice, warm... So one of the other oh, things that kept... Hey. One of the other things that kept us warm was, you know, we would lie in bed mm-hmm. and all the cats would surround you in bed. Nice. This is my hair. Bonus. tried to claw my hair. Mm. Right. <laughs> Don't take Mouse out of here. Shut my door, please. Thank you. Uh, here's the next one. Hey, what's up? What do you need? Okay. Go get a Pop-Tart. Hi. Hi. Well, then in a little bit, I'm going to go to the grocery store and see if they have milk. Yeah, that's another problem is that all the grocery stores have no milk. Oh, there was like uh, the last couple of days, like, well, because all the grocery stores couldn't, could not get food in. So the shelves were empty. Like that. Right. Trucks. That Saturday before the freeze, (laughs) that Saturday before the freeze, I went to the grocery store going Saturday morning. The freeze hasn't hit yet. And I'm like, I need to go to the store and stock up. And um, there were 12. This is a big grocery store. There were 12 jugs of milk left Saturday morning before the freeze. Jeez. Have not been back since, but basically everybody that's gone back said the shelves are empty. I hear you, man. Um, 